o'clock. Thanks for joining us. Jim the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. It's Wednesday. Wine about a Wednesday with Talon Wine. Your chance to win a bottle of Talon Wine today. Text or call in. Actually, you can text or call in your wine to win a bottle of Talon Wine. 970-242-1340. Uh, do we have a winner, by the way, for Wrigley Field Cutter Sports Trivia? We do not. Okay, so the question once again, how many times has the CSU Rams men's basketball team won the Mountain West Conference regular season title? We have a bushel of guesses for 2003. They won the tournament title that they year. Won the- so your Googling worked out, but regular season championship, different story. We're looking for that. How many times has the Mountain West Conference regular season men's basketball title been captured by the CSU Rams? Mm-hmm. Right, You're right about the tournament. Yep. That is correct, 2003. But we're asking how many times they won a regular season Mountain West Conference title. Send your answer in right now to win that $15 gift certificate to Wrigley Field on North Avenue, home of the 15-minute lunch guarantee. If you don't get your lunch in 15 minutes or less, you get it for a half price. Wrigley Field on North Avenue, just east of Sam Blasio Field. So uh, send your answer in right now, 970-242-1340. All right, uh, since we're talking CSU Rams men's basketball, time to talk to the voice of the Rams, Brian Roth. Talking CSU with the voice of the Rams, Brian Roth, on the Jim Davis Show. Joining us right now, CSU voice Brian Roth. Good morning, Brian. How are you? Good, Jim. Good morning. I'm sure you have have a wine or two, uh, mostly about how the game ended last night. Uh, what, what an incredible bizarre, heartbreaking ending for for the Rams last night. Isaiah Stevens hits the jumper, ties it up at 74, 2.8 seconds left. You're thinking, okay, overtime, the, the comeback continues, taking it overtime, beating Nevada at Moby Arena until the Wolfpack banks in a three from half court to win the game at the buzzer. Absolutely heartbreaking for the Rams last night. Well, it was, and, you know, look, Colorado State didn't play very well last night. I mean, they went in that game seven-and-a-half-point favorites, and, um, you know, it's a Nevada team that was shorthanded without their second-leading score and their point guard, Keenan Blackshear. And, and you know how it goes. Sometimes a, a team is missing one of their better players, and he was out with an ankle injury. Sometimes a, that team rallies around each other and plays well, and Nevada played great last night. They were up 11 at halftime, and they really controlled the game in the second half. They kept the Rams at arm's length but CSU just kept pushing and pushing and pushing in that second half and really started to assert themselves and uh, you know all of a sudden they get it down to two and you know Jim the, you know, everybody sees that <laughs> improbable half second shot last second shot from half court by Jared Lucas but CSU was up or it was down by two 74-72 and Jared Lucas the uh, Wolfpack player who hit the half court shot and one of the leading scorers in the Mountain West Conference, he went to the free throw line with uh, nine seconds to go, his team up by two, and he's a 91% free throw shooter. So he goes to the line, he makes two there, it's a four-point game, and, and, and we're not talking about some half-court heave at the buzzer today. When he steps to the line, misses the first one, so, so the Rams still were, were in it, had a chance to maybe a three at the buzzer to tie, but then misses the second free throw. I mean, that is improbable. He had just missed one the previous time down. He had missed three of four 
for a guy who had been to the free throw line 150 times this year and only missed 12 free throws all season long. So that's what set it up is his two missed free throws. And, of course, he was hanging his head. And, you know, look, Isaiah Stevens comes down, does what Isaiah Stevens does, hits the mid-range J with 2.5 seconds to go, and you're thinking to yourself, somehow the Rams have got this thing to overtime. And you're feeling good at that point because the issue, again, was pushing the entire second half. And I'm thinking, sitting next to the Rams bench last night, CSU's got this to overtime. That was my feeling. The crowd was electric last night. But, look, I mean, Jared Lucas, you missed the two free throws, and you go from GOAT to the hero in a span of seconds, and somehow, some way, you know, got that thing to go in. It was from the sideline. It wasn't straight on sideline, and, and, and he banked it in at the buzzer for the win. And so for the Rams last night, I mean, this is first, what, conference loss at home this season. Uh, it's, a, it's a three-game losing streak right now. and But you, you look at the big picture as we head toward, of course, the Mountain West Conference Tournament, NCAA Basketball Tournament. Uh, just, you know, looking at some bracketology this morning, uh, Andy Katz has CSU taking on TCU uh, in, in the South region. So, that I mean, so there are those that feel like the Rams will be a tournament team when this is, when it's all said and done. Well, the, yeah, look, I mean, the, the way it works in the Mountain West Conference this year, in the, the Mountain West, because of how good they were in the non-conference, Jim, they're being treated by the metrics uh, the way that, uh, that a Big 12 gets, gets treated, right? Because every one of those top teams, their metrics are so, are so good that when you lose to a top team, and this is an Nevada team that's firmly in the NCAA tournament, when you lose to one of those other teams, it doesn't kill you. The Rams went from number 27 in the net last night to, to number 29. Uh, you look at the loss to UNLV, they didn't move anywhere with that loss. The loss at New Mexico last Wednesday, on a last-second shot, by the way, uh, you know, that's, they, they, they didn't drop after that loss. So when you're in a conference like this and you're a good team like the Rams are and you're playing other good-to-great teams, those losses just aren't going to hurt you very much in the metrics. But I will say this, that at the end of the day, you've got to start winning games. And the CSU team that has lost three straight, but they have lost four of their last five games. And that does not look good. And then the committee looks at that and see how, how a team is playing towards the end of the year. And, and that's, not, that's not a good look for Colorado State. But at the same time, Rams put in their work in the non-conference. They had by far the best non-conference resume of all the Mountain West Conference teams. And unfortunately, the Rams have, have had to hang their hats, their jackets, their boots, everything on that non-conference schedule right now because I don't think any of us saw the Rams sitting at 8-8 eight and eight, um, you know, on the season at this, at this point uh, of conference play, 8-8 eight eight in conference and, and right in the middle of the pack. CSU Rams play-by-play voice Brian Roth with us on the team. I want to correct something. He has CSU Andy Katz as, as the eighth seed in the South. Sorry, TCU in the Midwest. Didn't look at it the wrong way. Oklahoma is the eighth seed in the East. And uh, he also has, I believe it's uh, Michigan State as uh, the eighth seed in the, in the West for his predictions uh, for his bracketology. So for, for Colorado State, when the Mountain West Conference Tournament rolls around, is it is it a necessity to get a couple of rounds deep into that tournament for them to to really solidify their position, considering what's happened recently 
Brian, as you mentioned, with uh, losing four out of their last five? Yeah, here's here's how it breaks down, Jim. Colorado State with two games left of the regular season, and it's a it's a Ram team that's going to have two quad four games ahead of them. They get Wyoming coming up on Saturday. Then they get the week off. Then they get Air Force a week from Saturday down at Clune Arena. Both of those are quad four games in the net. And uh, needless to say, you, you absolutely can't lose those. I mean, it, it's to the point where, you know, yeah, you lose to Nevada, and, and it's not the end of the world. You lose to UNLV, New Mexico, San Diego State, you're, you're okay. But at this point in the year, the way the Rams are trending, you cannot lose either of those two games. So you win those two games, you finish 10-8 and eight in conference play, you're going to have to play in the play-in game, probably as a 6 or 7 seed in the first round of the Mountain West Conference Tournament. And you're probably going to face Air Force or San Jose State. It'll be another quad four game. So you're looking at three straight quad four games for Colorado State. Now, that's not great because it, it overall hurts your metrics. But at the same time, it allows you to get wins. And so Colorado State can, can grab three wins, and you get to the quarterfinals of the Mountain West Tournament. And, and, and at that point, they're all quad one games at that point. Uh, I mean, barring any massive upsets. And, and look, the CSU is still a good team. I know they haven't played well, but last second shot last night, they lose. Last second shot at New Mexico, they lose. They were up 10 at UNLV and, and lost it down the stretch against the Rebel teams that is surging. Up 14 in the first half at San Diego State. I mean, this is a CSU team that is still a good ball club that can easily beat any team in the Mountain West Conference on a neutral court. So, you know, I think if CSU wins their next two to close out the regular season, they win that first-round game, they're sitting at 23-9. and nine. And I think even if you lose in that play-in game, uh, or sorry, if you lose in the quarterfinals of the Mountain West Tournament, I think the Rams are still in. I think if you win a quarterfinal, win a semifinal, I think you can get all the way back up to a seven or a six seed and, uh, you know, make the Mountain West Championship game. Obviously, you can win a Mountain West Conference Tournament Championship, and, and, and you're going to be right there in that six seed type range. So this sucks for Ram Nation and their fans. I get it. and it's, it's not fun. But at the same time, CSU, if they can, again, win these quad four games that they're supposed to win, and then get into the tournament of the quarterfinals in the Mountain West, they're going to be in fine shape, maybe start to find their stride again, make a run in the Mountain West tournament, and then go make a run in the NCAA tournament. And, and games like what happened last night here at Moby, what happened at San Diego State, what happened at the Pitt in Albuquerque last week will be a, a very distant memory. CSU Rams play-by-play voice Brian Roth with us today on the Team Sports Network. Uh, Andy Katz has six teams out of the Mountain West getting in. Colorado State is one of them, along with Boise State, New Mexico, San Diego State, Utah State, and Nevada. And you reference you, re- you feel like Nevada's already punched their ticket. Fair to say those six teams will probably be seeing those six when uh, the uh, the brackets announced for uh, on Selection Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think the Mountain West is in sitting in really good shape to, to to get six teams. Now, now who knows what happens? Now, obviously, if listen, CSU loses one of the next two games, they put themselves in peril, but. Uh, that goes for for anybody else, uh, whether it be Mountain West teams or other teams that are that are on the bubble, barely in, barely out. Uh, according to bracketologists, I mean, all of these games matter. So it'll depend on what happens across the nation, what happens in in conference tournaments. But but here, here's the deal for if the Mountain West Conference, if if the top six teams all do well against the bottom half here in the last two weeks of the season, then it means that that again 
the quarterfinal games, okay, are going to all be quad one games. Those are neutral court. The semifinal games for all these Mountain West tournament teams, whoever makes the semis, another quad one game, and obviously the championship game is going to be a quad one unless Fresno State comes out of nowhere and, and makes a run to the championship game, which they are not going to do. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I listen, if, if the six teams you mentioned that, that seem like they're in the Mountain West Conference tournament, as long as none of them lose to uh, San Jose, Wyoming, Air Force, Fresno State, as long as they steer clear of those losses, and get into the quarterfinals of the Mountain West Conference Tournament, I think all of them have a very good chance to, to, to make the NCAA Tournament. And then the question begins, what do you do once you get in the tournament? The Mountain West hasn't been very good in the NCAA Tournament, save for the run by San Diego State last year, of course, when they went to the Final Four in the National Championship game. So Andy Katz has Big 12 with, with nine teams going in. Uh, SEC's got seven. He's got the Big Ten was six, and then the Mountain West was six. Remember when the ACC was the premier college basketball conference in this country? He's got them with five. It's not like they don't have anybody going. He's got Clemson, Duke, North Carolina, Virginia, and Wake Forest. But Pac-12, what's, well, the final the final weeks of the Pac-12, or months of the Pac-12, I should say, he's got Arizona and Washington State. He doesn't have Colorado uh, getting into the tournament. I mean, how crazy is it that and how good the Mountain West Conference is, that they're going to have almost more teams in the tournament, potentially, than the Pac-12 and the ACC. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? And, and it's because of the work that was done in the non-conference, right? I mean, you just, you just look at the body of work in the non-conference by those six teams in the Mountain West Conference, and, I mean, <laughs> you go right down through the list. I mean, how many wins does the Mountain West and the non-conference have over the Pac-12? A lot. I mean, the, the, the Rams have, too. They beat Colorado. They beat Washington. Um, and, and, look, the pack, it, it, stuff is cyclical, right? I mean, sometimes a conference is up for whatever reason. Sometimes a, a conference is down. And, and for whatever reason, the ACC is down. The, the Pac-12 isn't very good here this season. Of course, you have a, a blue blood like, like UCLA that has just been awful here this year, especially in the non-conference. And yet, somehow, they, they get going in the conference and start winning a bunch of games, which just, which just kills. Uh, the rest of the Pac-12. You can't have those teams like UCLA be so bad in the non-conference and then get into conference play and start start beating up on uh, on everybody. I know they beat Colorado uh, last week at Pauley Pavilion. So, uh, but the Mountain West has been good. They they picked up the necessary wins over the top-rated teams that were on their schedule in the non-conference, and, and that's what happens if you perform well perform well in the non-conference. It means as long as you keep the bottom of the league down and all the top teams beat the bottom of the league teams, which has pretty much happened in the Mountain West. Rams, of course, lost at Wyoming, which which hurt. Nevada lost at Wyoming. Uh, but really, other than that, uh, there haven't been too many bad, quote-unquote, bad losses, quad three, quad four losses by the top teams in the Mountain West Conference. So, uh, it, it's a good conference, Jim. It, it, it is, and this this conference tournament. I mean, you look at the the, the uh, standings for the Mountain West. I mean, it's a jumbled mess. I mean, five five losses is going to win the conference uh, regular season here this year. Thirteen five. You get to a neutral court in Vegas. Uh, anything can happen. I mean, I, I I'm not a betting man, but I, I'm not putting money on any team because I, I think most of those games from the quarterfinals on 
are going to be pretty close close to uh, coin flips and, and whoever's making plays and making shots. All right, Brian, appreciate the time as always. Thank you so much. You bet. Thanks, Jim. All right, take care. Brian Roth, voice of CSU Rams, joining us on the program this morning. All right, 9-16, we will take a break, and we'll come back. Uh, four down territory, also this day in sports history. Uh, do we have a winner yet? No, we do not. We're still looking for correct answer to Wrigley Field Colorado Sports Trivia. The last time the CSU men's basketball team won the Mountain West regular season championship. Not not the tournament. We'd have the, 11 billion winners if it was the tournament. That's 2003, we're but we're looking for the regular season. I didn't think it would be this complicated. I, uh, how many times has the Colorado State men's basketball team won? Is it the, how many are last time? Because I have different wording on the rundown. Okay. Well, how many? Okay, we can. It's last time they won the men's basketball championship? How many times? Okay. How many times? How many times? That's easier. How many times have they won it? Maybe I mis- misworded that. Gotcha. How many times have the, the CSU Rams men's basketball team won the Mountain West Conference regular season title? The last time they won the tournament, and the only time, was 2003. Yes. Maybe 2024. We'll see. That's... See. that's that's on the horizon. But how many times have the CSU Rams men's basketball team, have they won the Mountain West Conference regular season title? It is a... Stumper. Say, it's a stumper. Apparently it We've is. have got the pile hoodwinked, I think. Jim has 1990. That's when they were still uh, the whack. We're talking about Mountain West Conference. Mm-hmm. Since... The inception of the Mountain West Conference. When was the last time the CSU men's basketball team, or the, how many times has the CSU men's basketball team won the Mountain West Conference regular season title? How many times have they won it? Not the tournament. Not the tournament. We're talking about the regular season title in the Mountain West Conference. That's our Wrigley Field Colorado Sports trivia question today. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back with more. Uh, by the way, text your answer in on that 970-242-1340. Home of Colorado sports. Come on! This is the Jim Davis Show. Welcome back, Jim, along with the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios. Most trusted name in automobiles. I'm still looking for... Are we still looking for? No, we answer? we finally got an okay, answer. Okay, finally, finally we have. A, do we have a winner? Do you know the name? Yes. Okay. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the winner of the contest. It's another winner on the Team Sports Network. Uh, no matter how you ask it, the answer is still nuns times zero. And Eric, formerly CSU grad, now Horizon High School grad, was first in the door with. Nunts. None I think times. initially I had it listed. It was named the last time, which would be never. Never. And how many times? Never. Nunts. Never. None. So never. So it's they won the tournament title yeah. in 2003, and that's it. They've never won the regular season title no. in the Mountain West Conference, and they're not going to do it this year either. Not going to do it this year. All right. It's so, always next year. There that's is. The, one of my favorite Cleveland blogs from back in the day, WFNY, waiting for next year. And hopefully, maybe next year, possibly. 
Yeah, maybe. Yeah, never know. And the depleted? Do we know who's if anybody's leaving the Mountain West or if anybody's coming in? or Do we know uh, yet or is as, it too early? As of right now, it's until that maybe possible merger happens with the Pac-2 that I don't uh, think it's... 2025 <laughs> Mountain West Conference champion Washington State Cougars? <laughs> Never know. You'd never really know. Intrigue. Yes, always lots of intrigue. All right, text or call us, 970-242-1340. Let's uh, dive into some four-down territory this morning. Uh, let me try that again. Let's do this. Let's turn that up. It's very soft. We're into four-down territory on the Jim Davis Show on the team. That's punt on first down soft. No kidding. It's hanging a first and goal and kicking a field a goal. Knee. Yeah. <laughs> Take a knee or kicking a field goal. All right. First down, Caleb Williams appears to be the guy that's going to be the number one pick in the draft. Right now, the pick is held by the Bears, though there's some talk that the Bears are going to stay with Justin Fields and, and maybe trade that pick. That remains to be seen. But Caleb Williams most likely will be the number one player taken in the draft. He did an interview with ESPN's Pete Thamel. And Williams said, if I get drafted by the Bears, I'll be excited. If they trade the pick and I get drafted by someone else, I'm just as excited. Speaking about Chicago, they have a talented team, a talented offense and defense. For anyone in that to be in that situation, I think they'd be excited. I can't tell if he's fired up about being drafted or not. Did he say excited in there? He said excited, uh, let's one, see, two, one, three, two, three, four. Seven times? Seven times. Did I count seven? That, that appears to be correct seven times. Now, his father, Carl Williams, did an interview last September, and he said he has concerns about his son going to a bad organization, though he didn't mention any teams by name. Wouldn't the Bears kind of fit it would be that. to that bad organization yeah. kind of category? Mm-hmm. Yes, they would. I would think that they yeah, would clearly fit into that. All right, uh, second down. Paul Pierce. Remember Paul Pierce? Wheelchair, <laughs> wheelchair bound Paul Pierce. Yes. What a hero that guy was in that game. He has the uh, the Truth Lounge with Paul Pierce podcast. Oh my because gosh. Of, of course he does. And he wanted to address everything about getting fired by ESPN. And so apparently he has the article labeled it took a swig of truth serum and discussed how it all went down. Remember, he was a studio analyst for The Jump, an NBA countdown at the time. Yeah. Claims that he was playing poker at his friend's birthday party. He recalls there were girls present who were dancing and a lot of alcohol was consumed. Was he not at a strip club? Yeah, so he was savoring his retirement and the thrill of a poker night with his buddies. Pierce elected to pull his phone out and well, the rest is history because it showed Pierce drinking and smoking a blunt along with several women in bikinis, twerking or massaging him was posted on his Instagram live account. And so the fallout led to him getting fired by... Disney. Disney slash ESPN. Smoking a blunt. Working for Disney. Uh, Half-naked women. It wasn't my fault. I was just enjoying the retired life. Was he playing poker at a strip club? I mean, I don't know what the... Because I thought the story was he was live on Instagram from a gentleman's establishment. No, but he was, he was playing poker. Just an uh, innocent, indeed he was, just apparently. An, whoa. Just, 
just an innocent game of poker with Paul Pierce and his Barely buddies even newer. and some semi-clad women who just happened to be at the poker oh. party. Paul Pierce is the gift that keeps on giving. And, and he's questioning the morals of ESPN. Caught in the moment. What do you want me to do? Well, no, you were putting it. You were, you were streaming it, yeah. dude. You caught yourself in the moment. It wasn't, you know, like some random stuff. It wasn't like Jason Scalabrini or Brian Scalabrini, rather, yeah. was there with you and caught you on. You put it on your own Instagram live. You're the one that, that puts that like on John there. John Morant. It's like what's happening to me is it's a somebody's got an axe to grind. Well, according That's your to, gun in your but, hand. But according to Pierce, though, he was he didn't think anybody was going to watch it, and so he was surprised by all the phone calls he got the next day. <laughs> and one call was. from someone claiming to be with ESPN oh. investigating the incident led to his termination a day later. The video said it, the the video violated Disney's morality clause. <laughs> so. Pierce said, I was tired of being held back on my opinions, and so it was probably the right timing of it all anyway. I was disappointed on the way it went down, you know. I didn't want it didn't want it to go like that. I didn't do anything illegal, and that's the story. I got fired for literally having a good time. They were holding me back. They quit. Paul Pierce, I didn't think anybody was going to see it of his 950,000 <laughs> followers on Instagram. Who's going to see it? Who are you? If you go do that uh, and you don't put it on you, on your social media and nobody sees it from Disney, probably nobody, nothing right. ever happens. Not much to do about nothing. But now you put it on there. You are, you, you're the guy that did that. Mm -hmm. Nobody did that to you. I'm not morality police. You can kind of do whatever you want if it's within the bounds of legal society, but it is not consequence free. You are representing your employer, especially in the in a media job, in a media which job. is where our similarities end, me and Paul Pierce. You know, like, I would like to think I would be disciplined somewhat similarly if I had that bad of a look brought upon my media employer. It's like, yikes, that's not a good look. Yeah, come on, what are, you, what are you doing? And especially and if there's a morality clause. It's in your contract. You, you agreed to that. You, you may sure, not read it, but somebody should. I'm sure. I would like to think he had an agent or an attorney that, that probably read that Some contract. Some paralegal in an office. Like, somebody hey, this might be a little question. To say, hey, if you if they, if you are caught smoking pot, mm -hmm. whatever, we, we can all sit around and agree or disagree about how how bad it is a pot's sure. legal or how good it is or whatever. We could do that until the cows come yep. home. But if it's in your contract, and it's a morality clause, your contract says, don't get caught doing that mm -hmm. or you're going to get fired, then you probably better not do it. Or if you're going to do it, don't live stream it so people can see you doing it. Right. So they have a good reason to can you. And then, well, they were, they were holding back my opinions. Oh, bull crap. All of this is Paul Pierce's fault, no matter where it stops, yeah. right? It's like, uh, I was just smoking some weed. Well, that's against the clause in your contract. I was, I mean, they're, they weren't even naked. Well, it's against the morality clause in your contract. You can't do it. You I didn't even read that. Well, that's on you still. That's, that's <laughs> on you, dude. It's like all of uh. it. He either has a house that's all mirrors because he loves Paul Pierce so much or no mirrors because he has no self-awareness. I, I just... Reading that just cracks me up. Then he goes on his podcast too. I'm a I'm a victim here, but then it's okay because they were keeping me from being yeah. me anyway. Oh, stop it! Ugh. 
Okay. The gift that keeps on giving. Paul Pierce. Yeah. <laughs> it would be great if you've been sitting in a wheelchair while all oh, this was yeah. going on. Being wheeled around. Then get up and just start <laughs> dancing, playing card. Deal me in, boys. Third and fourth down. So, uh, <laughs> speaking of heroes, we got one coming up for fourth down. Third down, though, there's two games left in the Iowa Hawkeyes season on the ladies' side, and that means Caitlin Clark is close to Pete Maravich's all-time record. I think she's 50-some points shy, maybe. Uh, she's 50 points shy of Pete's 3667. Now, Pete Maravich's son, Jason, is excited that his dad's back being talked about. He loves Caitlin Clark. She's unbelievably good, according to Pete's widow and Jason's mom. But he also says that it doesn't necessarily make her the best score because she's got the three-point line right. and all these other things, which it's okay. a very reasoned take. Sure. Defend the old man. Just don't say anything bad about the woman that's going to surpass him here in two weeks. By the way, side note, the women's Big Ten tournament sold out already. No surprise. No surprise. And the rematch against at Ohio State, which is the number two team in the nation right now, I think uh, is going to be on NBC or CBS, I remember, if I remember correctly. That's going to be a fantastic game. It's going to be a great game. Fourth down. DJ Collin, very polarizing individual. And now even more so because of some Jordans. He, so he's doing his, uh, he's at the South Beach Wine and Food Festival Monday. And he was performing because apparently DJ Khaled performs. He doesn't just stand in the background yelling another one, which caught me off guard. But he opens the door of whatever car he's in and they're on the beach and he's got some nice black Nike Jordans and he says I don't want to get my Jordans dirty can I get anybody to help me and had two security guards carry him from the little Raptor car thing that he had the Gator I guess to the stage and then back after the performance <laughs> He had security guards carry him. Not a little man, by the way. No, he's a big dude. So he wouldn't get sand on his Jordans. Yeah. What a hero. Not a fan. I just, I'm just not a big fan of him. I'm not a big fan, but I don't know what he does. I'm not, you know, I'm, yeah, it's, I'm just, me too. It's like, I'm not a fan, but like, what does he really do? Right. He does music, right? He does. Yeah. Is he like Calvin Harris, Avicii? Is he like, uh, Drake? Like, what What does he do exactly? I'm not trying to insult the musical accomplishments of DJ Khaled. I don't know what they are. I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm just not really sure what he does. Is, but is somebody famous. out there in the pile has to... Yeah. We have enough people that somebody should like DJ Khaled's music. Is it carry his hefty, piney... <laughs> To the stage worthy is his discography worthy of guys being carried to carry like him so he doesn't get his shoes dirty right joe elliott def leopard yes you can carry that guy around all the time i don't care rick allen vivian campbell all those guys carry them all around jimmy page 
Jimmy Page should Jimmy not Page. have to walk anywhere Robert the rest Plant. of his life. Robert Plant. Rob Halford. Mm-hmm. Rob Halford. James Hetfield. Yeah. Iron uh, Bruce Dickinson. Bruce Dickinson. He just yep. fly. He just mm-hmm. fly. He wouldn't. Have, he would have a jetpack. He exactly. just fly to the stage. Nobody should in that band should have to touch the ground. But DJ but DJ Collin. Yeah. You know. I think we're in agreement on that one. All right, so that's four down territory. And it's time for this day in sports history. That's the story of the greatest sport moment in all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. All right, go back to 1918. The first natural or first neutral site game in NHL history is held in Quebec City. Frank Nyber scores twice in the first period to lead the Ottawa Senators to a 3-1 win over the Montreal Canadiens. 1959, the Boston Celtics beat the Minneapolis Lakers 173-139 to as seven NBA records fall. The Celtics set records for most points, 179, most points in a half, 90, most points in a quarter, 52, and the most field goal, 72. Boston's Tom Heinsohn leads all scores with 43 points. Bob Cousy adds 31 while setting an NBA record with 28 assists. Also on this day, 1977, Stan McKee to the Chicago Blackhawks scores his 500th goal and a 4-3 loss to the Vancouver Canucks. Of course, Stan McKee to Donuts made famous thanks to Wayne and Garth. And that's this day in sports history. 9.35, we'll take a break. We'll come back with more on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network online at theteam1340.com. They need a wake-up call. Call or text the Jim Davis Show on the Chick-fil-A team line. 970-242-1340. Welcome back, 938. Jim along with the Buckeye Boy. It's Wine About a Wednesday with Talon Wine. So we're going to run a bottle of Talon Wine today. All right, so last night, both Colorado Mesa basketball teams at Westminster, Utah last night. And the, the Maverick women getting the 77-55 to 55 victory over the Griffins. Uh, Josie Stedman with a career-high 28 points. Coming off the bench, she was red-hot from three-point range, 8 of 10 from beyond the arc last night. And after the game, Tyler Franson had the chance to talk with Maverick women's assistant coach, Hannah Pollard, about the victory. Joining us right now on the phone, she is the assistant coach for the CMU Mavericks, Hannah Pollard. Coach Pollard, a uh, solid win for your basketball team. I think the best way to describe it is two different halves. The first half, you know that you got to play better defense. In the second half, what was the message in the locker room at that first half about playing better defense? And ultimately, how did you guys come away with the win tonight? Yeah, it was. we just had kind of said, you know, you don't want to keep messing around with these guys. They're hitting shots. They're feeling good. Um, we've got to come out at halftime and really show up with the defense. And we did that, um, held them to five points in the third, and then, um, were able to continue and win that fourth quarter as well. You know, and defensively, that that was the key, ultimately, is keeping them uh, to that five points, like you said, in the third. Offensively, though, tonight, your team was clicking, particularly Josie Stedman, eight for ten from beyond three. She finishes the night with uh, 28 points. How important is it for you guys when you have a Josie Stedman type, somebody that can come off the bench and get those shots when you need them? How important is it to have that this late in the season? It's huge. I mean, and she's done this before for us in games two where we struggled offensively. And, you know, we if she doesn't do that, especially in the first half, we're going in down 10 or 15. Um, so for her to just come off the bench and be able to give us some life and some offense and, I mean, just light it on fire, it's so great. And like you said, heading into the postseason to have someone that can do that just um, in a tight game, hopefully can come in and hit some shots for us. Uh, that's just going to be the difference between winning and losing. 
Another solid night for Olivia Reed, uh, particularly defensively. She had eight defensive rebounds, five offensive boards. She finishes with 14 points, 13 rebounds. She also had uh, three blocks tonight. So another uh, solid defensive night for Olivia Reed uh, for your basketball team. Yeah, she did a great job. Um, they're doubling her and all sorts of stuff, and she still finds a way to score or uh, pass it out to a teammate and then just solid on the boards. I think we struggled a little bit tonight, and she was always in there fighting and trying to get rebounds for us so we could, um, so they weren't getting second-chance opportunities. And um, she's just consistent with that, and hopefully she can continue that um, into postseason and further. So you have the next three days off in terms of you're not playing any games these next three days. Then you come in Saturday. It's back at home. It's against a Western team that's at towards the bottom of the arm back. It's going to be senior night. There's going to be a lot of emotion. What's going to be kind of the message this week as you guys get prepared for this final game of the regular season, starting to think about the arm back tournament, where's going to be kind of the, the focus and the message for this team heading into this last uh, game of the regular season? I think the biggest thing is exactly that stay focused. They came on um, to our house last year and beat us on a last second shot. They played us really close up there, double overtime. And they're, you know, that's their last game. And so they're going to give us everything they have to hopefully try and uh, ruin our day. And so our biggest thing is we have got to be locked in and ready for them to throw anything at us. And um, we just got to take care of it on our home floor. All right, that's Tyler Franson talking with uh, Maverick women's assistant basketball coach Anna Pollard after the win last night. So the Maverick men, they completed the sweep of the Griffins last night. Trevor Baskin continues to be one of the best players in D2 basketball the last uh, week or so. Uh, 31 points last night against Westminster. He was 80% from the floor. Uh, Mavericks get the win over the Griffins, 105-82. to He was also named, uh, once again, the Armac Defensive Player of the Week, assistant coach Kyle Boucher. Talked with Tyler Franson after the Mavericks win last night over the Griffins in Salt Lake City. On the phone, it's the assistant coach for the Colorado Mesa Mavericks basketball team, Kyle Boucher. Coach, uh, your team getting another big win tonight on the road. And uh, this was a game where you guys led pretty much the entire time. Buckets were falling. Just kind of give me your general sense of how you felt your guys performed out there tonight. Yeah, Tyler, thanks for having me on. Uh, I think my service might be a little low, so hopefully you can hear me. But, you know, this is a game we circled at the start of the season, you know, when the RMAC schedule came out and took a look at this, and we knew we'd be in contention for, you know, an RMAC title, and, and we are. And, and then to look at a drive all the way to New Mexico, all the way back to Pueblo, uh, 48 hours, turn it around, drive to Salt Lake City for a game we knew was going to be a big one, and we hyped it up, and the boys delivered. They played great. And the guy that delivered again for you tonight, he, fresh off of an incredible weekend where he was named the RMAC Defense Player of the Week. And uh, again, another big night for you, 31 points from Trevor Baskin. I mean, look, it's you said it last time we talked, the guy is playing the best basketball right now in America, and that, that continues tonight here with that 31-point performance. Yeah, the uh, the Defensive Player of the Week was well-deserved. He was great. Um, had some big matchups, and he did a great job, and he protected the rim. But, Tyler, I mean, what do you got to do to be the offensive player of the week? I mean, are the guys who are voting on these games, are they watching the games? I mean, what more does Trevor need to do? Uh, 12, of, 12 of 15 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3, 5 of 5 from the free throw line, 6 assists, 1 turnover. I mean, if, that, if there's someone better playing better offensive basketball in the RMAC, please show him to me because I want to see it. <laughs> Seriously, I'm, I'm right there with you on that one. 
Uh, you mentioned only one turnover tonight, and your your basketball team only five turnovers uh, as far as we have here on the uh, on the official score sheet. Something that's been talked about ad nauseum by Coach DeGeorge and by you a couple of times is you really want this team for as fast as they're playing and for as up-tempo as they're playing to be able to limit their turnovers, and that's something that across two halves of basketball they were able to do that tonight. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think sometimes the, the guys have a, a devil on their right shoulder and an angel on their left, and it's, it's me going, let's go faster, faster, and Coach being like, well, hold on now, let's make sure we don't turn over the turn over the ball. So I think uh, our two forces combined are moving the guys in the right direction. And they did a great job tonight. I mean, they definitely pushed the tempo, got 70 field goal attempts up, plus a handful of free throws, 26 assists, only five turnovers. you got to love to see that. And, you know, more exciting than that is we know we have depth. We know we have a lot of guys that can score and pass and finish and do a lot of different things. So um, let's see, we have 13 different guys with four field goal attempts or more, and we have everyone but two of our 13 players with an assist on the night. And uh looks like 11 of them with multiple assists in one night. So that's pretty impressive, and that's a well-balanced attack. You know, and, and not just well-balanced, but every guy that got minutes tonight scored, even if it was just the one point on the free-throw line from Elijah Newtson. You guys crossed the triple-digit mark for the second time in three games. And so just offensively, it seems like this is a really, really potent team. That's going to be critical, especially going into RMAC postseason play, is it not? It's going to be important. I mean, we're, we've always been a defensive program, and that's how we've won championships. Uh, we don't have our defensive player of the year for the moment. So we need guys to step up. But, yeah, I mean, if we can score more points than the opponent, that's usually, uh, <laughs> that's usually <laughs> going to get the job done. So that might have to be part of the formula here moving forward. All right, we'll get you out on this, Coach, as we know you're going to have to get back on the bus here and uh, get back to GJ. But the good news is, for now, you're going to be back home for at least one more game. And it's going to be on Saturday. So you've got three days between now and your last regular season game. That three days, what's going to be kind of the message to the team? What's going to be kind of the focus? A lot of rest, I imagine, as they get ready for what's going to be an emotional uh, game Saturday, senior night against Western. Yeah, we're preaching just one time at a, one day at a time, win the day, process, process. And today was all about you know, Westminster and being ourselves and holding ourselves to our standard against Westminster. And, and that approach is going to continue. So we're certainly excited about senior night and uh, seeing all those guys start the game and, and play well. And we all want to play hard for our seniors, but we got to have a great day of recovery tomorrow, great practice, great preparation. And then we'll be ready to go against Western on Saturday night for our final regular season game. And uh, we are certainly going to be focused on controlling what we can control, but you know, if a certain loss could happen to Fort Lewis, uh, we wouldn't mind about that either. All right. That's Cabo Shea, Maverick men's assistant basketball coach. Both Maverick teams winning at Westminster last night. And we'll have a senior night when they take on Western Colorado this Saturday right here on the team CMU Sports Network with a pregame at 515. The women will tip it at 530. The men at 730. Brought to you by Ken Richard State Farm. All right. To 948. Jim along with the Buckeye boy. Text or call us 970-242-1340. Have you picked a uh, winner yet for uh, the wine today? Uh, have not yet. Okay. But you will by the end of the show. Yes. And let that uh, individual know. Yes. Okay. So coming up tomorrow on the program, Buckeye will uh, be out. Cake will be in tomorrow. And uh, we'll have our team's team of the week. We'll also talk with Montrose Red Ox girls basketball coach Steve Skiff. 
They're getting ready for the 5A girls grade 8 at the Denver Coliseum on Friday. And you'll be able to hear that game coming up on Friday on the Monkey, which is uh, 95.7 here in the Valley, 93.5 in Montrose. And uh, Matt Meyer will have that for you pregame at 645 on Friday. But tomorrow, right here on the team, uh, Rio's going to go over to uh, the Coliseum tomorrow as Fruita Monument takes on Eagle Crest. Our pregame starts at 515 for that one. Tip-off at 530 from the Coliseum. The Wildcats take on the uh, Raptors in uh, the 6A boys grade 8 tomorrow. So did get a uh, email asking, hey, what games are you guys carrying? We'll have both of the grade 8 games for Fruita Monument and Montrose. Once again, Fruita Monument boys right here on the team. Montrose girls Friday over on the monkey. Once again, 93.5 in Montrose I for that one. I think it was four years ago I went over to Denver, did a Fruita Monument great eight game with Michael Wells as the head coach. And then the world completely shut down a week later. Yeah. And then the world, yeah, the world changed so, yeah. in a big way. And um, and so hopefully uh, you'll be a good luck charm for them. Let's hope. See, I, if I, not, I called their first two. So if not, he's not going to ever want to see me over there at the Coliseum. Yeah. And then I'll have, I'll have Mason Western on Saturday. So it's not like I get a weekend off or anything on this whole thing, but, uh, but you'll, uh, you'll be out tomorrow on Friday as well, mm-hmm. but, uh, safe travels over to, uh, to Denver coming up tomorrow. Weather should be good. So I'll knock on wood that you have a safe trip over there and don't forget they have, uh, the parade today for the Wildcat boys basketball team, uh, leaving town one o'clock, uh, out in Fruita today for that as they head over to Denver. All right, uh, and don't forget tonight as well, another thing I want to remind you about, Colorado men's basketball, Buffs take on Cal tonight, 5.30 right here on the Team Sports Network. Let's open up the lid and hop in. It's garbage time. We're taking out the trash. It's garbage time on the Jim Davis Show on the Team. Uh, we've all had a hot mic before. Yep. Sometimes, you know, you, you don't say anything that's bad. Like Ray McClendon and I, we had a little bit of a hot mic thing with uh, mm-hmm. our Mac Network when we did our game, but we weren't saying anything bad. It was just more like, hey, yeah. who's, uh, who's 32? Who's this? Or you don't necessarily curse. You just say something really stupid. Or you have what happened last night in the NHL, whereas the Flyers and Tampa Bay Lightning... Early in the second period, Lightning Ford, Brandon Hagel, assisted Nick Paul for a game-tying goal. As NBC Sports Philadelphia replayed the goal, a very audible voice chimed into the broadcast to say, bleep me. Uh Uh-oh. Which is followed by another voice in the background asking if they were live. Turns out that the official was the one who dropped the F-bomb in the hot mic Mm -hmm. during uh, that, uh, that replay. Well, the Flyers broadcasters added, the officials clearly not aware that their mic is open. So apparently, though, the refs didn't need to worry too much about having a hot mic because Philadelphia's Wells Fargo Center was going and going through a power outage during the first period. A transformer burn up on the event level of the arena, which caused a nine-minute delay. But when play resumed, there were still outages in the area. So one side of the rink was darker than the other side of the rink last night. Interesting. It's all kinds of problems last night. Okay, what do you have? Uh, so Johnny Manziel, for some reason, is making the rounds, and he was on Shannon Sharp's podcast, and he's had to say about Brian Hoyer that Brian Hoyer had been waiting for an opportunity to provide for his family 
and he took advantage of Johnny struggling and his inexperience as a quarterback. And kind of Johnny says, a lot of the reason is my fault and it's on me, but also Brian Hoyer was not great to him in that room. And Brian Hoyer was on Good Morning Football yesterday with a response. I mean, look, I mean, I'm on, I'm on my uh, vacation last week in Florida, and I get a text from Mac Jones. He goes, hey, funny, I didn't get this treatment as a rookie. Mm. And uh, look, I'll be honest, you know, Johnny's right. That was an opportunity for me to go out and be the starter of my hometown team. But I was kind of apathetic towards him, I would say. You know, I didn't go out of my way to, you know, be a jerk to him. But in the same sense, I was trying to win this job and go out and perform the best I could. Um, you know, I feel sorry that he feels that way about it. I've, I always looked at it like... You know, I never had any animosity towards Johnny. If anything, it was towards the owner and the GM who mm. were always trying to push him ahead of me when clearly he wasn't ready and I was going to be the starter. So, you know, it's 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 unfortunate that, you know, that left a, a bad taste in his mouth. But, um, you know, like I said, never had any animosity towards Johnny. And, you know, I feel bad that he feels that way. But, you know, I don't really recall it being that way either. So. Can't imagine why he won the starting job over Johnny Manziel with a <laughs> nice answer like that. <laughs> Essentially a... Yeah, he was right, and I was kind of apathetic towards him because I was trying to provide for my family. He was trying to win the job. Yeah. All right, one more. Indiana's men's basketball team, they're on a four-game losing streak. Dan Dockich, who uh, was an interim head coach there at one point, played for Indiana, Uh, also broadcaster as well, took the time to not really criticize head coach Mike Woodson or even the play of the Hoosiers. But he felt it was important to uh, focus in on center Khalil Ware for his tattoos. Dockage posting on X. My man Ware got himself $1,000 worth of tat- new tats. How about getting in the, 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 the gym or film room and learn how to play instead of being in a tattoo chair? I guess he was uh, F-bombing it, by the way. That was where it was a little F-bomb thing from Dan Dockage. Somebody needs to grow up, and it's not the tattooed kid. Yeah, no kidding. How about if you got where was he had one of his best games, twenty-seven points and eleven rebounds, delayed Indiana to a win last night over Wisconsin. By the way, he's their best player. But tattoos, Jim. Tattoos—that's a problem apparently for Dan Dockett.